Hi, this is AJ Bingham with BG Media Group. We are excited to share our first podcast collaboration with Austin Real Estate Insider Jan Buholtz. Titled Heartbeat of the City, in this three-part pilot series, Jan will share her industry knowledge and exclusive insights. Share your thoughts on this podcast on our website at www.bgmediagp.com. Episode three, we're very excited. And so you've lived all across the country in different cities and really got to experience the real estate and the communities in different places. So where all have you lived and then why were you in that area at that particular time? Okay, well, I actually have lived in in kind of a concise area. I'm a Western girl to the max. I was born and raised in Denver. I still have a lot of family back there and it's it's my hometown. I'm a Denver Broncos fan. I bleed orange, so I still have a strong connection to Denver. I also lived in Lawrence, Kansas, in Kansas City, because I went to school at KU, and I loved every moment that I lived in Kansas City. It's probably the most underrated city I've ever been to. I've lived in Los Angeles. My cousins moved there when They were like four and five, and California was the land of opportunity. There's surfers there. You know, that's where Hollywood is. So we went summers to stay with my cousin, and I fell in love with L.A., and I always knew that I was going to live in L.A. for a while, and I did. I lived five years there. I've lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Yes, I interviewed Dick Cheney at the Hitching Post. I went there to be a TV reporter, which was insane. It was the early 80s, but it was interesting. I interviewed some incredible people like Eldridge Cleaver and um, just people who were on the political trail. Reagan came to town. I even interviewed Ronald Reagan. So that, that was a fun place, but I couldn't wait to get out of there. Um, Too windy, too cold. Um, lived in Phoenix. Phoenix is my happy spot. I can't explain it. You either love the desert or you hate it, and I love it. And then I came to Austin late in my career, but my daughter came to St. Edwards, and she fell in love with Austin. And I fell in love with Austin when I came to visit her. So when she got out of school, she said, I'm not moving to Phoenix. She didn't want to move back to Denver where her sister was. So yes, I moved to Austin when a job opened up and here I am. And so what in real estate have you done in these different cities? You know, um, in Denver, I had a lot of jobs in journalism, but during the latter part of my time in Denver, when my my youngest was finishing up high school. I I started writing about real estate. I'd actually over the years had had done freelancing for magazines like Colorado Homes and Lifestyles, Mountain Living, Phoenix Home and Garden. I did that remotely. So I did a lot of writing about design, interior design, homes. So that had a real estate component. And then when I started freelancing in Denver, my former editor, who was my uh, courts and crime editor, he had gone to the Denver Business Journal and started giving me lots of um, 
real estate stories, and I just discovered I love them. It's a good thing he didn't give me tech stories or health care or financial stories, banking, because I don't think I would have excelled. But real estate just captivated me. So that's where I started, and I eventually transferred to Phoenix. I hate snow. I love the desert, so I went and worked at the Phoenix Business Journal for six years, and then I came to Austin. So I've been bringing those experiences of real estate from those three cities together in this little brain of mine. And so how does Austin compare to these cities, especially Denver and Phoenix? Yeah, Austin has a lot of the same issues facing it that these other much bigger cities. I mean, Denver's probably a third larger than the metro area. Phoenix is almost 5 million people, so it's at least double. It's super sprawling. It's getting bigger. People don't realize Phoenix is actually growing much faster than Austin as pure numbers. Austin, as a percentage of its population, is growing faster. Um, but transportation has always been a challenge in Denver and Phoenix. And, of course, transportation is an issue here. Denver and Phoenix has, have solved a lot of their matters. It's something you have to keep up with all the time. But they made some huge headway in the 1990s, both those cities. Affordable housing is a much greater problem in Denver, which it is here. So Denver and Austin have a much stronger connection in having to resolve the housing problems. But the one thing with Denver is they have had an affordable housing program for almost 20 years. They really have solved some of it. They've really goofed up on some of it, which has come to light in the last year. So that's where we can learn from each other in solving that problem. So let's unpack those a little bit and kind of do a case study of how Austin compares to each of these cities in a little bit more of a um, focused area. So how, what can Austin specifically learn about transportation? I always felt that Austin did not, has never thought big enough. You know, they need a huge vision that somebody is going to get behind and promote. I, I think Austin has had this really small mentality of, oh, we can't do that. That would be too expensive, too big. Uh, now, it's... We've wasted a lot of years getting nothing accomplished. Whereas in Denver, they came up with this huge T-Rex plan, which was vastly improving the capacity of I-25, which goes right through Denver. And right now they're doing a huge project on I-70 that, they were just talking about it when I came to Austin, and it's already under construction, and it's complicated. It is a raised deck. We haven't gotten anything done while Denver has gotten I-70 
under construction. Yes, there was a lot of controversy. It was really hard. It's going to be hard, but they're getting it done. In the meantime, we're still talking about I-35 doing nothing. How is that, that two cities could have such a different take on getting transportation, getting people moved around? Now, Denver, of course, has a huge grid of light rail. Yes, they've had problems. They have some serious problems with the line to the airport, but it's already built. They're going to fix it. We haven't built any light rail. We can't seem to come to an agreement on where to put it or get the public behind it. One thing that Denver did to finally get light rail on in the pipeline, get the money, was they got all the cities together, all the counties. And like Denver is an eight-county region. It's not easy but they play in the sandbox so much better than the cities here in Central Texas. For, for years, they didn't play in the sandbox at all. They all had their own little sandbox. So that's hurt Austin a lot. You need a cooperative metropolitan uh, group. They called it Dr. Cog up in Denver, Denver Regional Council of Governments. We need something like that where everybody's on board. That's what sold it to the voters in Denver. One thing they do in Denver is they add sales tax. They get things built by sales tax. I don't know why sales tax is not more used in Texas. I know there's just, no, we don't do that. But man, it would be more fair to use sales tax than to build toll roads, which is what they're talking about. Toll roads are, they are so unfair to people of lower incomes or mid-incomes. They have to watch every penny. They're not going to take the toll road if they don't have to. So there, there's things about just taking on the hard projects when I first came here, and I have been appalled about I-35 since we first came to visit St. Edwards, I was like, oh my gosh, we were on the upper deck and on Friday night, and I said to my daughter, this is the worst interstate I've ever seen through any city. What's up with that? And do you know, nothing has changed. Since that night in 2005, there's not been any improvement. Maybe they've patched the pavement on the upper deck, but there's been no improvement in that whole time. So uh, when I mentioned it to somebody who will remain nameless, but it was very much a player in uh, downtown you know, development, promotion, marketing. I said, you know what, you you, you really have to expand I-35 and you're going to have to buy the right away. You're going to have to move places. And that person said to me, oh, we could never move St. David's Hospital. I was like, you could give them a better option. You could trade for them, get some new land. They could probably 
use a larger facility, yeah, you can do that. And he says, oh, no, that never happened. So I encountered a lot of that. No, no, we can't do that. We don't do that here. We can't do that here. Maybe we can't now, but um, just a very different attitude of, no, we can't do that. Like on Mopac, why didn't they run light rail up the train tracks and move the trains, work a deal with, I don't know if it's Union Pacific or whatever, move the trains out to the east side. They would do that in Denver. They would work it out. It would be hard. I find something here in Austin is if it's hard, we don't want to do it. Well, it is going to be hard, and we have to do it. So major transportation is obviously very difficult, but what kind of small changes do you think Austin compares to other cities, such as transportation from downtown to the airport areas or even across downtown? Yeah. I One thing that, to me, makes so much sense, and this is what they do in Denver, is they have a free shuttle down the 16th Street Mall. 16th Street was a major road, and they closed it off. I mean, you can cross through on your other streets. It doesn't hamper traffic throughout downtown. Why aren't we running a free shuttle from the state capitol all the way down to Ben White Boulevard? Oh my gosh, you could get so much traffic off of Congress. And yeah, you might, I don't know if you could do it without completely shutting it down, but you'd have to have some parking at the end of the line, maybe parking that could be accommodated at the statesman's site. But you get people taking the shuttle they can go to the state capitol then they can go to south congress and have lunch go shopping down there there's new developments that are going further down towards st ed's st ed's students could go everybody just jumps on the shuttle why aren't we doing that you could run a free shuttle from um like uh across 8th Street, I guess you'd have to do it. Um, But from Mopac to uh, Pleasant Valley or something, we, we should be figuring out these easier solutions to get people across downtown. That would really help. Yes, you do need to have parking, parking rides, um, and, and then probably light rail from downtown along Riverside all the way to the airport. That's a great thing. Both Denver and Phoenix have light rail to their airports, and they are really helping to generate airplane travel and just leveraging their airports. We already know people love our airport, and it's growing. Let's leverage it better for the, for the good of all. But, yeah, there's, there's just some ideas that are going to take a lot of money and be really hard. There's some ideas. Why aren't we just getting it done? 
And then moving on to another case study, affordable housing is becoming a really big issue in Austin. How does the affordable housing situation in Austin compare or should learn from other cities that you've been to? You know, Denver was really uh, a maverick in this. But back in the late 80, or late 90s or early 2000s, the city council actually had the guts to pass inclusionary zoning. You say that in other cities, inclusionary zoning, and people go bonkers. Because what it does is it, it in, in Denver's case, it was like any project over 29 units had to set aside 15% of the minimum of those units to affordable housing. So um, a lot of developers complained, and it was funny. You can imagine how many projects all of a sudden had 29 units, so they didn't have to participate. It was anything over 29 units. So a lot of these condo builders made them 29 units. They didn't want to play the game. But Susan Powers, who I said in a previous episode that she's one of my heroes, she figured out a way to build condos right by the Pepsi Center, luxury condos that millionaires live in. But guess what? 15% of those units went to school teachers and librarians and firefighters. And, and so if she can do it in the Denver market, which she's replicated that across town, really hard to do, but get some done. Why can't we do that here? Um, we we make it hard with the codes, so the code next thing is so important. Um, you know, with uh, people who are willing to do all affordable housing, we do need to cut the red tape, which is happening, thank goodness. Um, but, you know, even master plan communities up in Denver, when the developer does these homes, thousand homes and stuff, they have to set aside 15% of those homes. Now, Denver's big biff that just came to light in the last year is Green Valley Ranch is a huge development out by the airport, and they participated in some 300 of those homes that were sold as affordable homes were then sold by those owners at market value. How that got through the title work, how the city didn't monitor that, that is a horrible mess that they're having to deal with. So we need to learn from that. Okay, if we're gonna do this, we have to make sure that affordable housing inventory is maintained and carefully watch because people are going to have to move whether they're renters or home buyers we i honestly think we need a czar of affordability at the city who is going to watch this and maintain the quality and the integrity of the program because we know it's an it's one of those things that can go south very quickly if it's not managed well, I think 
one of the great things about you is you have such a breadth of experience, both having so many years of experience, but also such a variety of cities. And so I think this case studies between what Austin can learn, both positively and negative of cities, has been incredible. This is the end of our three-episode pilot with Jan. Thank you so much for listening. And if y'all are interested, please message the Bingham Group, and we might be able to continue the series. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Heartbeat of the City. We welcome your comments and ratings on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as reviews on our website at www.bgmediagp.com.